Welcome to the Ole Miss podcast that never blows the coverage. He's so fast. He makes fast people look not fast. I got it. He's fast. Never sets an illegal screen. I totally get what you're talking about. And always goes for it on fourth and one. Hut, hut, hike! It's time to justify your existence. I want the truth! You're hearing it. Here are your hosts, Ben Craddock and Paris Shulford. Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence. I am Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by our Mississippi State beat writer, Dalton Middleton. We're going to talk signing day. Dalton, how are you, man? Oh, I'm all right, man. I'm happy to finally be on this uh, this big-time show you got over here. <laughs> big-time show. Man, I tell you what, I think you and I can make it big-time, man. Maybe we can... Maybe we can rise up. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we're gonna we're going to uh, be talking about uh, that in the days to come. Uh, we're gonna talk some signing day today, folks. Before we get off into the weeds on all that, we want to uh, be sure to support the people who support us, and ask you to get by one of the Power Five crystals in Brookhaven, Byram, Gluckstadt, Oxford, or Saltillo for their massive breakfast menu of real eggs, bacon, biscuits, sausage, gravy. Then the Chicks Pups, the best-selling originals to carry you the rest of the way. Get a sack full at Crystal today. And we want to give a shout-out to the Weston Jackson Hotel. Find the right balance of inspiration and wellness in the heart of Mississippi's capital city at the Weston Jackson. Book a stay at westonjackson.com. Luxury downtown. Visit those guys and get your relax on. Check out our daily Ole Miss coverage at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and the Mississippi State page and just watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook, too. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things there. Remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you feel like we're there. We're trying, and we appreciate your support. Signing day, Dalton, it was the – it was the strangest signing day for me that I can ever remember. And, and this has uh, – it's changed a little bit since uh, the early signing date, and I like that. I like doing a lot of the heavy lifting in December, but usually when we reach this time of year, the second signing day, um, there's still a little bit more going on than Ole Miss had yesterday. Ole Miss signed only one player – uh, on Wednesday, but it was big. It was a big guy, 6'4", 305, four-star defensive tackle, Taiwan Malone, a huge pickup for Lane Kiffin and his staff. But it was a very different signing day, man. I, you know, I, Usually I wake up and we've got a live thread going and, and, and there's, there's this guy has signed and now the papers have been received on this guy and you know, following all these things on social media. Man, I didn't, I didn't lock into signing day uh, – on Wednesday until like 2:55, because I, I knew Malone had his uh, had his announcement on ESPN two at three o'clock. That was the whole story that I was waiting on, and you know it was just kind of different. What was your day like? Yeah, so back in December, I remember I got up at like six o'clock in the morning, six thirty or something like that. You know, getting ready for like you said, all the papers that come in. Because imagine they usually start about seven o'clock in the morning, and they just start rolling in then. But yesterday. Um, 
I think the only one that state was state only signed one one player yesterday. It even wasn't even the person they were expecting to sign. Um, you know, they had one they were expecting to sign. I think it was supposed to be at 11 a.m. So I just got up in my normal time um, and just kind of hung out for a minute. And and then all of a sudden, 11 rolls around, you hear nothing. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Ty Cooper kid from Louisville um, signs with State. The defensive end, 6'4", 245, I believe, three-star, signs with them. And then, you know, I'm just sitting there. I start writing on this kid. And then I'm just waiting for this one other signing they're supposed to get. And then just an hour passes, nothing. Hour passes, nothing. And then so at about 3.30 or so, um, you know, I go ahead and finish up my Ty Cooper story that's signed with State. And the other kid just never even signed. So I don't know. I've heard some rumors about what's going on with them. So, um, but yeah, it was very, very abnormal um, signing day for sure. Only one person signed for each school. And it was just, you know, instead of getting up at six or seven and, you know, pumping out those stories at 7 a.m., it's more of 3 a.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m. type thing. I don't mind it too much. No, it's okay. Now, you know me, I'm an early guy. I'm, I'd like to you know, get up, get it done. I'm okay with all the the, the uh, letters coming in there at uh, at 7 in the morning and everything. You mentioned rumors, man. You always get a lot of those uh, around recruiting. Uh, Ole Miss signed uh, Taiwan Malone, 6'4", 305, four-star uh, defensive tackle out of, uh, gosh, Oradell, New Jersey. And, uh, man, who knew? Uh, New Jersey, a hotbed of, of Ole Miss recruiting, man. But uh, mm-hmm. a big pickup there. This is the kind of guy, uh, Dalton, that, that Ole Miss has been missing on. You know, in, in recent years, kind of starting with Hugh Freeze, uh, Ole Miss has had some success uh, with some of these national profile recruits. They've been able to get a Chad Kelly on the rebound. You know, they were able mm-hmm. to sign out of high school Shea Patterson. Now he ends up at, at Michigan, but you, you know, the, but on signing day they're getting some guys like that, and they've get, gotten receivers, or they get a running back like Jerry Ely, a five-star kid. Uh, so they, they've been able to do that on the offensive side. They've been able to come through on defense with the occasional safety or, or something like that. But uh, they've been missing that guy that that really, when you talk about SEC football and, and you talk about elite defenses. They have that guy in the middle. You know, State's had a couple of them, Jeffrey Johnson, Fletcher Cox. Uh, Alabama defensive lines usually have them. That big guy. Four or five of them a year. What's that? See, Alabama usually has about four or five of them a year. Yeah, Yeah, but Ole Miss has it. You know, and they thought they had that in 2013 with Robert Kimdichie. You know, it didn't didn't work out that way. Part of the discussion going on in in, uh, my Facebook group right now about Kimdichie uh, I, I had people say, well, he, he tied up blockers. Well, he did. He did mm-hmm. command a lot of attention, and he did tie up blockers. But to me, that should be a, a secondary benefit. Right. I mean, I, that's, that's great. It's great that you can do that. That's like an added benefit. Um, uh, that elite defensive lineman has to be big, has to be nimble and athletic, and he's got to make plays – on the other side of the line. Now, if if that means you're tying up blockers, do it in their backfield, collapse the pocket. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the measurables for these guys need to be not that they have 10 tackles a game, that, that's what the linebackers and safeties do, but but they've got to have tackles for loss. Uh, Robert Kimdichie in three seasons had six sacks. 
Right. And, and to me, that's not uh, elite defensive line level. I don't know as much about the, the Malone kid as you do, obviously, but um, from what I've seen, it looks like he's going to be a kid that makes an instant impact. You know, he's going to be a, you know, could be a starter or he's going to play a significant time from day one. And I mean, that's one of those kids that you finally get that kid on the defense and as bad as Ole Miss's defense was this past year, you know, maybe that swings one or two games that Ole Miss lost last year that are now could possibly be a win. I'm trying to think of the two close ones or three close ones that Ole Miss really have. Maybe it was Arkansas and Kentucky, I think, maybe? Uh, Arkansas, they won the Kentucky game. But didn't, Kentucky. You know, may, maybe he swings out of Arkansas, Auburn, and LSU. Mm-hmm. If he swings two of those games, man, this that season looks really different. It's a whole different season. Yeah, and, and I think, Dalton, that um, number one, uh, it's it's unfair to put that kind of pressure on any kid coming in, any newcomer right. in your program. There's going to be some level, some period of acclimation. So unfair to put that pressure on him, but life is unfair, and that's where we are. That's where mm-hmm. we are in college football, college basketball. We see it. The elite teams have contributions and big plays from freshmen. And I think – and I think you kind of mentioned you – know, you said it's, it's unfair to put that pressure on a kid, and I think so too. But I also think he's signing himself up by going to Ole Miss to a defense that is not as talented as where it, where it will be next year with, he, with him on it. And, you know, he kind of is putting the pressure on himself by being – by signing there, and now he's going to be an instant impact, you know. You know what I mean? Right. And some guys, they thrive on that. They like that pressure. They, mm-hmm. they, they think I, I, they're confident. I can do this. I'm the guy. But just think about uh, – I mean, and, and again, it's not that this defense needs to be dominant. It just needs to not be dormant. Right. And uh, you put a guy like that in the middle, and if he does tie up blockers, and if he does get a few tackles for loss, and, and if he does stabilize the run game that has been putrid at Ole Miss for so many years, really starting in about 2016, uh, if he can stabilize that, well – I like what they have coming back. I like the parts and pieces on that side of the ball. They return a lot of experience at linebacker. They return some playmakers off the edge in Tariq Tisdale and Sam Williams. You know, they're going to get to see Otis Reese at safety, that star position, the Georgia transfer for a full season instead of just three games. They signed a bunch of safeties. They return a playmaker in A.J. Finley. I mean, this – there could be significant improvement on that side of the ball for Ole Miss. And again, they only have to be middling. If they right. can be a middling defense and play offense the way they played it last year, it's a very different team. Tell me about uh, about State's signee. Is he going to be a guy they need an impact from next year? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be that guy that makes an instant impact next year because uh, State does have a few returning players on the defensive line who are um, who are pretty solid and have already kind of proved themselves. Um, but he will be a guy that probably play gets some playing time. Uh, you know, the State. You know, Kobe Jones is gone. I believe Marquis Spencer is gone. So that's two defensive line spots that are um, that are gone now. But you know, State doesn't play you know, four or five people on defensive line, they run that three, three, five. So there's only so many spots available there. Um, but he's a guy that's going to be good. He's, he'll get some playing time just because of his size. Um, but I feel like yesterday, um, State had already signed 23 out of the 26 before yesterday. And they really needed to hit with a, with a 
defensive back in the secondary, and they didn't do that. You know, they, they were targeting um, I think his name's Calvin Johnson out of French Camp, um, and he signed with Northwestern. And they were also trying to get the Caden Bridges kid from McGee, and um, he's a defensive back, and he signed with Auburn for football and baseball over state. So those are two guys that they kind of missed out on. I think they're, um, I mean, really and truly, I think they're kind of still reeling from trying to re- recover from losing MJ Daniels to a certain extent because um, they signed Jay Hampton right after the initial signing day in, in December. And uh, they, they offered him the scholarship on signing day, I believe, like late in that afternoon. He signed the next day or something like that. And that was He's a defensive back that they had not offered before MJ Daniels flipped. But then, of course, they got um, – the Jalen Green kid from Texas that, you know, they got a couple transfers. He's a former five-star from Texas, and now he's going to come to Mississippi State. So that kind of helps make up for, you know, the loss of a couple defensive backs and the and recruiting and such. But um, yeah, yesterday was kind of weird because, you know, the, the the kid from McGee, I feel like um, State just got on him too late. You know, they, they would already – he was committed to South Alabama and then um, – and then Auburn started hitting on them, and then State just got in the party late, and then Auburn just ran away with it, and just never really got never really got the end because they got in there too late. Um, but yeah, no, the State signing signing day was real weird because uh, the Catravian uh, Hargrove kid was a four star running back from Ruston, Louisiana, and he was both, he was the only commit going into yesterday. And uh, there's, I guess there's some rumors that he might be gray shirting or is not a qualifier. They, they're not real sure. Um, but I don't think he's a running back, so I don't think he would have made an instant impact because State has a pretty decent running back room for the offense that they use in the first place. Um, but sorry, to go back to your original question, the Ty Cooper kid will probably get some minutes. Um, I don't think he's going to be an instant impact kid simply because the defensive line is not a huge position of need compared to the secondary or offensive line or such, you know. When I saw State in the Egg Bowl, I I know there was a lot of concern or or, or that was the vibe I got about the secondary. Uh, The guys, uh, you know, on the beat covering them, uh, really, uh, you know, not a lot of confidence uh, in that secondary to make plays. I I know that – that there had been some injuries. I know some young guys were playing. Some uh, been a lot of change back there, and and ultimately, Ole Miss did hit some big plays, and and that helped Ole Miss uh, in the game. Look, a, a 91 yarder comes to mind, uh, where I'm I'm looking down the field and I'm thinking, how do you not cover Elijah Moore? How does anyone? How do you let Elijah Moore get that open? I mean, that was the uh, was that no, the clipboard in the air. That was South Carolina, but uh, yeah, and no, the one that um. Number 17 caught the 90. Braylon Sanders, maybe? Oh, yeah, Braylon like a... Sanders. No, I think it was Elijah caught the 90. Sanders had a big had a big catch too down the right sideline. Braylon Sanders. But uh the 90 plus, that was Elijah Moore on that play. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember who it was. I just remember there was a couple of plays where it just like you said, you kind of look to the, the person next to you in the in the press box and you're just like, how does that guy get 40 yards down the field? There's no one around them. And um yeah, it was that, uh, was that was state secondary this year, though, because like you said, you know, you had some injuries and you had some opt outs and then it just seems like it just every single week it got thinner and thinner in the secondary. And then you got guys that are, you know, walk ons playing in the secondary and starting in SEC play at the end of the year. So it's just it got rough there. So are they better? W- will they be better in the secondary? Did they get better with this signing class? 
I think so. You know, they only they only grabbed two players in the secondary. Um, uh, the Corey Ellington kid from he's a safety from Holmes County Central, and then the Jalen Green kid from uh, Texas, who's a former five star cornerback. So you know he should obviously make the defense better. But you know, at cornerback, you have uh, Martin Emerson Jr., who was ranked what one of the top 50, 60 players in the country. I think he only allowed one touchdown catch the entire season on one side of the field. And then um, on the other side, you got Emmanuel Forbes, who was kind of hit or miss this year. He was a freshman All American, and he made some good plays, had a lot of interceptions. I think he ended up with five, led the NCAA with five freshmen with interceptions. Um, but then he also gave a lot of touchdowns. So. Those two are returning. Obviously, they should both get better. You add the Jalen Green kid in. That's a decent cornerback room. Yeah. Um, and then at safety, you have Fred Peters uh, coming back, who was injured last year, uh, who were injured for most of the year. He, he suffered injury in the middle of the year. And then C.J. Morgan, who missed the entire year after surgery. So both of those guys are um, guys that, you know, are, have experience and were playing. And then, of course, you got all the guys last year that stepped in who are all coming back. Um Landon Gidry steps to mind. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Sean Preston Jr., um, which he might play more linebacker now. So uh, he kind of played a hybrid role. Um, but, yeah, the secondary should be better. I don't know if they're going to be great. You know, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, everyone's returning. But, you know, it's, it's like that old high school thing I, that someone told me once. is like, you know, we have all 22 starters returning. It's great. But, yeah, this, these 22 starters went 0-11 last year. So what's it matter too much, you know? Um, you mentioned uh, MJ Daniels. Obviously, uh, his decision was celebrated at, at Ole Miss. What was the talk about him uh, in your circles in Mississippi State? Was that move expected? That flip? I mean, just kind of watching his recruiting. I mean, he seemed like a guy that that really enjoyed the process and was kind of unpredictable. And you know. It, if I thought somebody was going to flip, he seemed like a candidate. I mean, what, what was the vibe uh, about that move uh, down there? From what I could tell, and, and it was expected. Um, it was kind of one of those things where he committed to state, I think, the week before. But, like, even when people were talking to him about recruiting, it was not ever about state. It was just kind of seemed like, I'm just going to commit to state for whatever reason, I guess. And then, you know, flip on the day of because it never really seemed like he bought into state or even wanted to be at state. He was just like, oh, I'll commit to this school randomly, I guess. I'm not real sure. But it was expected. I don't think everyone was – I don't think it was too too much of a deal. And I think that's why you saw instantly, like, two, three hours later, like the Jay Hampton kid, defensive back from Amory, um, signed with state, you know, not even 12 hours later, you know, it's just like, oh, we already had a plan in mind if this kid flips because they expected him to. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I, a very gifted athlete, it appears. Uh, you know, I haven't seen uh, him live, but uh, lots of uh, lots of hype for MJ Daniels. And uh, certainly he could be another instant impact guy uh, at Ole Miss. Again, I, I think Ole Miss returns some interesting pieces on defense and and so much of it starts with that defensive front and and Ole Miss you mentioned taking steps uh and and the state staff being prepared in case Daniels flipped uh, they, they didn't know they were getting going to get Taiwan alone they didn't know it really mm -hmm. until uh the end of uh Lane Kiffin's yoga class uh on on uh 
<laughs> on Wednesday because most of the time, Dalton, and you know this, these guys leak it. They tell somebody or the family right. tells somebody or the, the crazy uncle tells somebody. I don't think Taiwan Malone did this, and uh, they didn't know they were going to get him. But so much of it starts with that position and stopping the run. Right. And uh, I talked about uh, Robert Kimdichi earlier. I think this is a very different personality. And maybe Taiwan Malone comes in and he's a huge deal from day one and big impact and all that. Maybe it takes him a little time to play into it. I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say uh, he'll be a very different player uh, in October than he is in August. Uh, that mm -hmm. just comes with the territory. And if he is, that's great. Great for Ole Miss if, if he has an upward trajectory like that. But the thing I saw yesterday was here's a kid who enjoyed the recruiting process enough that he had his announcement on uh, ESPN2. Uh, he moved it from uh, a mid-morning announcement ceremony at the high school and all that, moved it back to basically quitting time in New Jersey. Man, people are almost right. – ready to get home and uh, start going home from work at, at four o'clock Eastern. All right. Three o'clock central. So a late afternoon uh, announcement. That's fine. If you can do that, that's great. And, and uh, he was able to have that moment. But when the time came to pick the cap and put the cap on your head, there were no theatrics. Okay. Right. There, there wasn't, well, let me go over here and grab the Rutgers cap and and, uh, and play with the minds of all the hometown people. You know, Throw it across the room and yeah, pick that, up a different none, one. None of that. He read a statement of thank you. He read a statement uh, to the people that were are important in his life and helped him get to this point. Then he just put the Ole Miss cap on his head, and that was that. To me, that says stability. That mm -hmm. says kind of a, a grounded personality that you want on your team. I don't think I'm reading too much into that. We'll see. So uh, big, uh, big pickup uh, for Ole Miss. And I do think they'll stand the chance to be significantly better on defense. Um, did uh, State go after defense as hard as Ole Miss did? Ole Miss had like 14 signees and like 10 of them are early in roles. Yeah, they, um, it looks like they got, uh, they may have hit on it a few, but like, Overall, in State's class, it's mostly offensive players, a lot of skilled players, a lot of offensive linemen. It seemed like the offensive linemen was really, really hit the hit the most at. Um, grabbed six offensive linemen in in this class out of twenty out of twenty four so far. So you know that's one fourth of your class is a uh, is offensive line, and you got a couple receivers. You know they got two quarterbacks, one four star. Then you got I don't even know how many receivers. You know one, two, three, four five, six, five receivers. You get five receivers, two running backs, and then all of a sudden, you know, you have like seven spots open for the entire defense, and you got like two quarterbacks in the transfer system and transfer portal. And so, no, they really hit, didn't really hit on defense too too hard, it seemed like, which I thought, you know, after last season with the way the secondary went and how some of those games and big plays against Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, kind of seemed like a need. But – um no, they really focused on offensive line, which was much needed as well, because offensive line at some points last year was was just terrible. You know, it seemed like Will Rogers would have half a second before he was getting killed back there. 
And that's one of the reasons why when KJ Costello was playing, he had th- he threw so many interceptions just because he's getting hit every two seconds back there. You know, they have the wide splits that just seemed like the offensive line never got used to it. And so these these defensive linemen and linebackers are just literally just running free. You know, they're not even getting touched going through here. And it was more of like a we're going to snap it to, to these guys and see how fast they can get it out of their hands because they don't have any time to throw it. Interesting. Uh, I, I know there was a time uh, when that offense was just dreadful in the middle of the year. Were they better at the end of the year? Do you see this offense uh, being better uh, in year two under Mike Leach? Yeah, for sure. They were a lot better towards the end of the year. You saw that kind of uh, the turning point was kind of the Vandy game. You know, you get you a win there, score three or four touchdowns against Vandy, which should have been more. Um, but I think the I think they scored four against Vanderbilt, and that was a lot comparing to the four-game stretch where they had one, I think, before that in the four games or three games before that. Um, but then, you know, they, they played Georgia after that, and they had uh, – I think they scored three or four touchdowns. Play Ole Miss scored three or four touchdowns. Then all of a sudden you look a little better against Tulsa. And often every, three or four touchdowns against Ole Miss was a letdown. Yeah, no, yeah. But for the for Mississippi <laughs> State's offense this year, that was a plus. Let me tell you, let me tell you how many times I saw three or four touchdowns against Ole Miss. All right, go ahead. No, no, I'm with you 100 percent but three or four touchdowns was being, you know, that was nice compared to what yeah. state's offense was scoring before that. Um but no, they improved, and they the offensive line seemed to improve whenever Will Rogers was a quarterback. I don't know if it was a chemistry thing, or maybe the offensive linemen just didn't want to get him as hit as much as they wanted KJ Costello to get hit back there. I don't know, but they just seemed to block better. Of course, you saw the emergence of Jaden Wally towards the uh, towards the end of the year receiver, kind of had a what four one hundred yard games there towards the end. Um, got the running backs a little more involved. I think they ran the ball a lot more in the second half of the season. So the offense should improve, especially with some of these offensive linemen. They got a couple of JUCO guys come in on the offensive line that could probably make instant impacts and such. So I guess we'll see, you know. But I think Mike Leach's offense always improves in year two. That, that's a tough – I know tough that's his trend. To, that's his trend, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough system to implement on – especially with none of his own recruits and with COVID not really giving them a spring or anything. So, – you know, it was kind of expected to have kind of a poor offensive season, but, you know, it should be a little better now, I would think. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm really interested to see uh, and what uh, Ole Miss gets done offensively next year, how they can be better. Can they improve? Uh, just They were just, man, it was exceeded expectations. I, I yeah, thought, yeah. Uh, thought Matt Corral could be an effective starter. Uh, but there mm-hmm. was nothing uh, – from 2019. 2019, such a different year. Square peg, round hole, had an injury. He was only a redshirt freshman. All these things, okay, not his system, not designed to his strengths, all these things, but there just wasn't anything to suggest the year two to year three improvement that he showed. You could be better, thought, hey, this, you know, he obviously impressed. He won the competition. Uh, he, He can be good. You know, it's ne- never expected uh, what we saw. From what I saw from Ole Miss this year and going forward the next year, it's kind of like, um, you know, you talk about improvement. Overall, I think Ole Miss's offense is about as good as it's – not, not going to say as good as it's going to get because, I mean, that offense was really talented. And you see those games where they score 40 or 50 points on teams. You know, the one that comes to mind is Alabama game. 
I think where the improvement needs to come for that offense is the consistency because you have that one game where you score 50 against Alabama and then you throw six interceptions against Arkansas or LSU and it's just – but overall, I mean, when that offense is clicking, I don't think there is any improvement you can make there. <laughs> you know, and from a consistency standpoint, they, they really were pretty consistent. You know, mm-hmm. I, the, the turnovers, the massive turnovers, that was not a season long. It was two games. Right. And, and by the time it happened again at LSU – the Arkansas game, it, it seemed so long ago, you thought, well, they're past that. They're over that. And then uh, then came the LSU game, and, and again, it was just a reminder that, look, uh, Matt Corral can find a careless streak pretty quick mm-hmm. there. He's got to stay focused. He's got to stay within himself and within the system because he there is a gunslinger side of him that can just really start to – you know, getting a little lax with the ball. And, and they saw that against LSU. And, and what was really so impressive uh, in right. the losses to Arkansas and LSU is you got seven turnovers, and yet you've got the ball at the end of the game with a chance to drive and win. Yeah, down by two points or something yeah, like and that. All yeah. these turnovers. And, and honestly, after the, the turnover on the last possession against Arkansas came quick, and then you knew the game was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, against LSU, when they didn't turn it over in the first couple of plays and they got a couple of first downs and completions, I thought, man, now they, these guys, they're, they're fixing to go and win this game on the last play of the game. I mean, that, that's what's fixing right. to happen uh, in Baton Rouge. Then they get down to like the 20 and turn it over. And uh, so that was that was how it ended. But uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, it's – Different day for football uh, in Mississippi. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. We thank you for clicking in with us today. Be sure to get to one of the Power Five crystals. That's Brookhaven, Byram, Gluckstadt, Oxford, or Saltillo, and get a sack full today. Check out our daily Ole Miss coverage at djournal.com. Find that Ole Miss and the Mississippi State page. Lots of good things going on there. Just Get on those pages and watch the stories flow. We're in Facebook, on Facebook as well. Obus discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Thanks again, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.